chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, let's start with verse 17. Glory. He said, Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. So we're going to find out what God's will is for your life. A lot of people think, well, this job now that God's called me to, is that God's will? Well, there's more involved than that. This is God's will. He says, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be ye filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, yes. singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Yes. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Yes. You, know, you know, most women just want to take that verse and just cut it out of the Bible. Right. Right. But I want you to understand... <laughs> That to submit yourself to your husband, it doesn't just say that. It says we're all supposed to submit ourselves one to another. I don't mean we're supposed to make slaves out of each other. That just means we're supposed to do our best to get along with each other. All right. He says, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he's the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be unto their own husbands and everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wives see that she reverence her husband. Amen. Oh, my goodness. What does reverence mean? Well, it means respect. Amen. It simply means respect. Now, how many of you, how many of you, of you wives, well, let me ask the husbands. How many of your wives has ever called you Lord? You know what Sarah used to call his wife? I mean, Abraham, Lord, Lord. Right. you know what that means? doesn't mean like, you know, the Lord, of, like the Lord Jesus Christ means. It means he's my provider. I'm submitting myself to you, old buddy boy, and you better provide for me. That's exactly what you're saying. So when you turn around and say, Lord, <laughs> you know what she means. Amen. I'm going to sing a song for you called Husbands and Wives. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Bless him, y'all. Bless him, good Jesus. Good Jesus. Thank you. Woman, 
respect your man. Take care to what you say. Adorn yourself with beauty that with time will not fade. Let this be your way to win the heart of him you love with a spirit oh me and quiet a thing of great price you're part of the family God's given said I do gladly give honor in love harmonize sharing and caring husband and wife sir give honor to her the wife as the weaker vessel. Let your prayers be not hindered. Heirs together successful. If you desire to love life to see good days and good nights keep your tongue from talking down keep your lips from speaking down God's given you partners together since you said I do gladly give honor in love harmonize sharing and caring husband and wife Gladly give honor in love, harmonize, sharing and caring, husband and wife. Praise the Lord. You know, men and women have different needs, and Harriet talked to you about the woman's needs on Mother's Day, and so I'm going to talk to you about the man's needs today. Amen. And although 
you know, figuring out what they are, what our needs are, can be a source of frustration to some. But it's not a difficult, it's not as difficult as it appears. Because, you know, while it seems that men come from Mars and women from Venus, you know, that doesn't mean that you'll never be able to figure out a man. See, the Word of God tells you everything you need to know about the opposite sex. In fact, Genesis chapter 3 verse 17 says that because of Adam's failure to obey God's Word, the ground would be cursed and his labor would be hard. And as a result, a man's greatest need is for significance. See, men are task-oriented and they measure their success by what they achieve. And on the other hand, a woman's primary concern is to nurture. And this usually occurs as she manages the home, imparts wisdom to her children, and encourages her family. See, a man's way of nurturing is to provide, and his main concern is money. Does he make enough to keep the family secure? Is it enough to take care of the family's needs? The money he makes and the way he provides for those he loves is how he measures success and failure. And if he's not a good provider, he often feels like a failure. And a man's greatest enemy is the measure to perform. See, most men are terrified of, of not being able to do their part, which has a direct impact on their self-worth. And many wives do not understand this fear and often react the wrong way. See, men skillfully... Uh, hide these feelings until they blow up. But if the wives can gain understanding, they can work together to build a healthier and more satisfying life. So here are some basic principles that when diligently applied will show your husband that you love him and desire for him to be the best individual he can be. So the number one thing is show him R-E-S-P-E-C-T. What is that? Amen. Respect. Amen, brother. What is that sign? Oh, respect. Well, you know, everything a man is and does is tied to respect. He needs you to respect him because his self-worth hangs on it. To disrespect a man goes right to the heart of his being and drastically changes him because it wounds him and zaps his energy and desire to do things right. And I'm not talking about a husband who is a lazy, selfish, and self-centered person. I'm referring to a man who has done his best to provide for and protect his wife and his family. And although your husband will make mistakes along the way, that is no excuse for a condescending attitude or a complete disregard for his thoughts and feelings or opinions. When you respect his God-given position as the leader of your family, you are respecting God's order of authority. Amen. And here are just a few tips that show your respect. Number one, be his best friend. Amen. See, if a man is feeling like, or, or feeling that pressure, it's difficult for him to talk about it. Uh-huh. And when he does open up, be a non-judgmental listener while expressing love and concern for him. Help him to see that God is always brought the two of you through hard times and he won't stop now. Amen. Just show him through the word that he is God's son and God is with him. Remind him that wisdom is the principal strength in his life and then pray together to receive the wisdom you need 
for the situation at hand. Amen. Now remember, you are his confidant. Yes. And by confiding in you, he's putting his heart into your hands. So therefore, treat it with honor and hold it carefully. Because he needs to know that you will not betray him by telling his business to an outsider such as a friend or other family member. Now, in addition, if your husband tells you that he needs something from you, respect what he tells you, whether you agree with him or not. Make the adjustments and do your best to meet that need. Amen. Secondly, uh, tell him he is significant. Yes. A man needs to know that he matters and is very important Amen. to his family. If he thinks he's worthless, his significance as a man is depleted, and I mean he'll just walk around feeling insecure, inferior, and inadequate. And you can change that by telling him how much you love him and need him in your life. You can also remind him that he matters greatly to you and your family. The third thing you need to think about is have a meek and quiet spirit. First Peter chapter 3 and verse 4 states that a meek and quiet spirit is of value to God. Now, that doesn't mean you sit in a corner and never speak, but that you remain teachable, knowing when to allow your husband to take the lead. Now, have you ever been in a place where the husband was asked a question, but the wife answered it for him? Now, this is embarrassing and detrimental to a marriage, and I don't allow it to happen in my presence. If I ask a man a question and the woman uh, answers the question, I'm going to ask, ask the man again the same question. Right. And if a woman, because you see, if a woman is making all the decisions, then her husband cannot build his confidence and leadership in the Lord. Right. Now, you may know more than your husband or have been a Christian longer. If that's the case, well, show your spiritual maturity and build your husband up. Amen. Give him the time to speak and let him lead. Right. And then fourthly, Praise him publicly. Amen. There's nothing as degrading as seeing a woman disrespect her husband in front of other people. Absolutely. It is absolutely wrong. The only thing that women, or that woman is showing is the hellish attitude inside of her. It's true. It's right. Now, never criticize your husband in front of others or allow anyone else to do it either. A great deal of damage is done to a man when you put him down or disrespect him in front of others. Instead, just stand up for your man and let him see you doing it. And what you say about your spouse in the presence of others should always be positive. Brag about all the wonderful things he's done for you and what he means to you. See, it's no secret <laughs> that you need to light his fire every now and then too. Praise the Lord. See, it's no secret that physical love is a primary need for men. But that doesn't mean he always wants to be the initiated uh, or the initiator, I should say. In fact, he wants you to be the aggressor sometimes, too. You can surprise him by pouncing on him uh, at, at unexpected moments, such as when he's stepping out of the shower or walking in, in through the front door or vacuuming the den. Men love that. Yeah. See, your husband needs you to communicate right. that good. you are just as interested in sexual activity with him as he is with you. Absolutely. And by whispering in his ear, sneaking up and hugging him 
from behind or kissing him passionately before he leaves for work, you let him know that you think he's just as attractive to you now as he was when you was first married. So make him feel like he's the best thing that ever came into your life. Just stop being shy and, uh, and proposition him every now and then. Meet him one day at the door and grab him. Now, you know, uh, and, and don't be put off if he if he tries to brush you off by saying, "No, don't play with me. I'm tired. Just just let me uh, now. Just hush up. Uh, then uh, uh, <clears throat> just lead him into the bedroom, push him on the bed, and you'll be amazed at how energetic he'll become. All that pressure and exhaustion he thought he was feeling will just go right out the window." I'm telling you here, it can still make me blush. There are times when I am standing at the pulpit making closing remarks and she'll wink at me. And that's when I, that's when I start blushing and muttering like a schoolboy. And she'll smile and wink again. And I have to turn around sometimes just to get myself together. Men love that. And in addition, don't be afraid to admire your husband and share that admiration with him. I love it when Harriet tells me how handsome she thinks I am. She'll stand back and say, oh, look at my fine husband. And I smile and I say, oh, hush, girl. But the truth is, I hang on her every word. I walk to the car with my head a little higher because my woman thinks I'm handsome. So you see, ladies, do that for your husband. And even if you may not feel like initiating or participating in sex, be willing to uh, get in the mood sometimes. God in, invented sex not just for procreation, but for fun and to strengthen the bond between a husband and wife. The Holy Spirit can help you get in the mood. See, a quick two-second prayer for help to meet your husband's needs will uh, ensure that he will uh, that he will reciprocate. A, uh, a something for you, I guarantee you. He wants to meet your needs. And if you'll meet his, he'll meet your needs too. So don't think that a man doesn't need hugs and kisses from a woman. This kind of non-sexual touching is reassuring and makes him feel that everything he's done that day was worth it. And when he comes home, throw your arms around him and just kiss a while. Make him drop his, his briefcase at the door. See, when I get home from a meeting after I've been gone maybe for a week, I look for uh, I look forward to my family's homecoming celebration. Amen. And deep down, I want them to stop what they're doing and line up at the door to greet me. I want them to hug me and kiss me and laugh with me, spoil me and, and shower me with attention. It doesn't matter what problems might be going on. When a man's family shows love to him, those problems stay outside the door. So just initiate the hugging and the kissing. If your husband wasn't raised to show affection that way, well, he may remain stiff at first, but just tell him to loosen up because you know that he likes it. And as you continue to show him love, over time, those walls of not knowing how to receive affection will come crashing down. Be the tool of love in your household and break down barriers with it. Not only does your man need it, he it's just plain fun. Amen. 
Praise Amen. the Lord. Now you need to try and understand. Your man needs you to understand why he does what he does and feels the way he feels about things. Listen to him when he talks. Watch what he does. Take notice of the ways in which he's trying to show you love. Try to understand what he deals with on a daily basis. Is there a quota he has to meet? Are there clients he has to impress? Is his boss demanding or unfair? What is involved in the work he does? What are the challenges? And once you understand these things, you've gained insight into his world, and he will want you to be a part of it. So take the time to see what's happening in your husband's life. Only then can you develop the sensitivity that comes with understanding. And care for his castle, too. And you know, I'm sure you've heard the expression, a man's home is his castle. Well, this is actually a true statement. A man needs a clean and orderly home. So ladies, you are the ones with the nesting ability, the ability to create a warm, relaxing, and nurturing environment. So make your nest beautiful. If you have the luxury of not having to work outside the home, don't sit around eating candy and watching Oprah all day. Clean the house and make it attractive. If both of you work, you can make a list to share the responsibilities. But if you do not work, the job is yours. And a messy house clutters the mind. And it can make, it, uh, it can make a tired person even more tired. The atmosphere you create in your home can soothe a person's mind and body and spirit. So just take pride in how clean and orderly your house is. As a woman, that is your domain. Amen. And it shows what you value. Make your house an, an inviting place that your husband can uh, or can't wait to get to. Praise Amen. the Lord. And make him laugh, Lord of God. Never forget to laugh and have fun. There, there's a boy in every man, and he still likes to have fun. Sure. And don't let financial circumstances, children, or other issues wear you out. A great sense of humor often diffuses a stressful situation. And rather than allowing your situation to depress you, do something out of the ordinary instead. Amen. For example, jump into a pile of autumn leaves every now and then. Tickle each other. Tell a joke or talk about funny things that's happened to you. You'll feel much better when you laugh every day. Your man needs that humor to add balance to his life. And in addition, humor makes you appealing to your husband. He wants a partner he can laugh with. And trust your man. See, if a man tells, uh, or if a woman tells her husband that he trusts him, there is nothing he won't do for her. See, trust is directly tied to a man's ability to achieve. It's the fuel that gets him uh, to the same old job every day trying to put his family ahead. And maybe he's done something in the past that damaged or destroyed your trust in him. And, but if he's making the effort to regain your trust, then honor his efforts. And while it's true that trust cannot be rebuilt overnight, you must strive to put it back together brick by brick. Let him know that you forgive him and you're willing to make a fresh start. Amen. Trust is vital to him and he must know that his woman believes in him no matter what and is willing to follow him as he follows the Lord. Amen. See, a woman 
who trusts her husband believes he will never betray her, and she is free to be her best for him and love him unconditionally. So do you trust God? Then apply that same trust with your husband and let him know it. And stay attractive. You know, time takes its toll on everybody. And when, you, when you're 50, you don't look like a 20-year-old anymore. But it may take a little bit more work to get there, but the principles of staying attractive should never change. See, a man needs his wife to look good. And remember how you were when, when he was dating you? You made sure every hair was in place. Uh, this behavior shouldn't change just because you're married to the man. For example, if he saw you dressed in a night shirt and curlers before he left for work, don't let him come home seeing you the same way. That's why some secretaries start looking good to their bosses because at least they put on makeup, you said. So take care of yourself. No matter what your age might be, if you have put on a few pounds because of uh, your children or bad eating habits, try and lose them. If you need a, a if you need to cover your gray, do it. If makeup makes you look uh, irresistible, wear it. Buy perfume or scented bath beads and perfume your skin. See, a man is attracted to how good you smell, and your husband needs your stimulation. And he needs you to look your best for him. He wants to be the envy. He wants uh, to be the envy of other men. When he's walking down the street holding your hand. And yes, he's already proud of you and loves you, but it doesn't hurt to give him an extra bonus and look good too. I think it's hypocritical to try to, to be meek and godly outside of your home without uh, first developing the same attitude in your home with your husband. You see, you shouldn't try to help others without uh, knowing what what your own husband needs and doing your best to fulfill his needs. God is looking for genuine people willing to work on the real issues of life. Because after him, your first priority is your husband. Not your job, not your children, or or even your church commitments. It's God and your spouse. And remember the degree of harmony in your marriage will be a direct proportion to how your husband's needs are met. You can solve 95% of the conflicts in your home by identifying his needs and fulfilling them. So stop waiting to stumble into a heaven on earth and instead work to make it a reality in your marriage. See, most people think, oh, if I just find that right man or that right woman, everything will just automatically work out. No, you can find the right man and the right woman, but if you don't do the things that's right in a marriage, it's still not going to work out. And that's where most people are missing it. Praise the Lord. Now, not only does men need all these things, but they need to understand, since this is Father's Day, that they have a loving Heavenly Father. A few months ago, I was watching a video of, of two friends skeet shooting, and the young men... Both were very good shooters, and, and they had decided to test their skills against each other. And the first young man said, if I hit the most clays and win, I get to shoot uh, that brand new cowboy hat you're wearing. And the other young man laughed and replied, okay, but what do I get if I win? 
And without thinking, the first guy said, well, if you win my debt, he'll give you $200. And I listened to the bet, and I was just curious to see what his father would do. And as the camera turned towards his father, he sat there nodding and grinning in approval, ready to watch his son compete. He gladly supported his son's bet because he was a, a daddy who was going to back his kid no matter what. And you could tell he had done it before. And as I thought about what I had seen, I began to think about our Heavenly Father. See, we use the term Heavenly Father a lot, but do we really know what that means? Yeah. We have been taught all of our lives that Jesus is loving, compassionate, and caring. But when it comes to His Father, our Heavenly Father, we often see Him as a stern, strict, and a force that will get you if you are not living right. And that's wrong thinking. And it isn't the true nature of our God. The Bible says that Jesus is the express image of the Father. And the same love and compassion that Jesus walked in is how our Heavenly Father operates towards us, His children. See, we've all seen and heard young kids bragging about their daddies. And one might say, well, my daddy is so strong he can pick up 500 pounds. And another might Argue, well, my daddy is so rich, he's going to buy me uh, a brand new bike. And whether or not we grew up with a first-rate dad deep inside all of us, it is a knowing of what a good daddy should be. He is one who has the ability and means to do it all and who has the love and compassion to do it for his children. See, our Heavenly Father wants to be my daddy to each of us. He wants to be our provider and protector, but for too long we've denied him that right. And as we learn more about the nature of God and how to accept him as daddy, we can begin to walk in the love and provision and protection he desires for all of us. See, through Jesus, we are his children and he wants to be our daddy. Now, I also once heard a story of two young sisters who were in the same class and grade at school, and this puzzled their teacher because the girls looked nothing alike, and it was unlikely they were twins. So curious, the teacher finally questioned both of the young girls. She asked, how is it that you two are sisters, are the same age and in the same grade, but look nothing alike? And I just can't believe that you are twins. The young girls looked at each other and smiled. One girl replied, Teacher, that's easy. One of us is adopted, but I forget which one. See, in Romans chapter 8, verses 14 through 15, the Bible says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And our society, stories like that of the two young sisters are very rare because, you see, adoption can be hard for some, but not for God. And when we were adopted into the family of God through Jesus, we were made complete sons and daughters. Just like in the story of the two girls, God our Father loves us the same as he loves Jesus. And we are joint heirs with our big brother Jesus. Galatians chapter 4 verse 6 says, And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Now the phrase Abba, Father, used in both scriptures or both scripture references that I just gave you, can be translated back to the Greek phrase 
meaning vocation. God's talking about his primary vocation, which is being our father. Yeah. He just wants to be daddy. Amen. And he considers that his greatest responsibility is to be your daddy. That's what Abba means, daddy God. His job or profession, according to his word, is to be daddy to his children. He wants to protect, provide for, increase, and enjoy his children just as any good daddy does. And he has even provided us with the spirit of his son, which cries, Abba Father, or Daddy. Now, imagine for a minute that you have it all. I mean, you own beautiful mansions around the world. You have billions of dollars at your disposal. You drive the nicest cars and take the most luxurious vacation. You are the richest of the rich and are known for your generous nature. Now, in that imagination, how do you picture your children? Do they share in your wealth, or must they beg and plead to get their basic needs met? Are they joint owner and CEOs in the family business, or do they spend their days begging in the streets? If you had it all, what would your kids have? Well, Matthew chapter 7, verses 9 through 11 says, Or what man is there of you whom if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? Or if, or if he asks a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? Right. If you had it all, you would not think twice about loading your kids with all the luxuries that money could buy. In fact, you would take great pleasure to see that not only their needs were met, but their wants as well. And that's how we should think about our Heavenly Father, the Daddy of all daddies. He is the richest of the rich, and not only in wealth, He is the richest in peace, the richest in health, the richest in wisdom, the richest in love. He truly has it all. Yet Christians, His children, daily refuse to accept what He has provided for His kids. Many have never believed and received Him as the loving and good Daddy that He actually is. They either assume that it is his will that they live in lack, or they spend their time begging in fear and unbelief. In the natural, men would be arrested for treating their children the way God is often accused of treating his. If a child were starved, broken, beaten, and crushed in an attempt to teach the child a lesson, the father would be arrested and charged with multiple accounts of child abuse. See, we know this is not the way to treat our children. Why then do we accuse our Heavenly Father of doing these things in the natural realm? A good father blesses. A good father encourages and loves his children. God is the ultimate father and his goodness towards his children cannot be measured. We must begin to use our faith in believing that our Heavenly Father is our gracious, loving, all-powerful daddy. If natural, evil, or sinful men can graciously provide for their children, how much more does your heavenly Father, our daddy, provide for us? Amen. Now, in Exodus chapter 3, Moses is talking with God on the mountain, and he asks God uh, who he should say is sending him to deliver the Israelites out of the hand of the Egyptians. Well, Moses asked, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? 
What shall I say unto them? God answers, I am that I am. Amen. Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am has sent me unto you. Amen. Now he was telling Moses and the children of Israel that whatever they needed, he was. He was saying, whatever you need, I am that. Yes. Healing, I am that. Amen. Deliverance, I am that. Peace, I am that. Joy, I am that. Wholeness, I am that. Safety, I am that. I am that I am. And the fact was, he was the I am for the children of Israel since the covenant was made with their uh, forefather Abraham, but they did not receive him as their deliverer until the time of Moses. They walked in horrible, continual bondage until they receive their God as the great I am. Amen. And because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, his I am that title remains true forever. In fact, it's even truer for us now because we are sons and daughters of God through Jesus and not just Amen. children of his covenant or, or not just uh, children of his covenant friend Abraham, we are his real sons and daughters. Amen. He is the I am. He wants to fulfill his role of all sufficient provider and protector in our lives. He wants to be the I am like daddy. Praise right. And when his children need peace, he says, I'm that. Yes. When his children need love, he says, I'm that. Yes. And when his children need wealth, he says, I'm that. He's the daddy who has it all and wants his children to be full partakers. See, this is one condition to receiving from the I am, or there's only one condition to receiving from the great I am God. You must first believe that he is the I am daddy, and then you must believe that his greatest desire is to be your I am daddy. You cannot receive him as daddy if you fear him as a God who will make you suffer with lack and sickness or who will teach you a lesson through pain and loss. This is not the nature of God, our daddy. He is good all the time. And all the time, he is good and uses his word to instruct his children. And you must walk in faith knowing that God is love. He is the ultimate daddy. He uses nothing but good things when dealing with his children. For many, this means having to uproot years of wrong information, wrong thinking, and wrong beliefs regarding the nature of God. He is the I am and wants his children to walk fully in his love and wealth and health and peace and life without sorrow, loss, or pain. See, your unbelief or wrong belief does not change who God is. It changes who he can be for you, though. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 15, Jesus asked his disciples, But whom say ye that I am? Or who do you say that I am? It does not matter what others around you are saying about God. He's asking you, Who do you say that I am? He wants you to know who you say he is. You will receive him as the healer that he is. Will you receive him as the provider that he is? Will you receive him as the daddy that he is? Will you decide to believe and say and receive God as daddy, the ultimate daddy, the I am daddy? You must receive him as the daddy who always loves and blesses 
and gives to and provides for and uplifts and enjoys his children. He's the greatest daddy that ever was and ever will be. And throughout this whole sermon, we refer to God as the ultimate daddy. But the truth is, he can only be daddy to those who are born again through Jesus Christ. Without accepting the covenant sacrifice Jesus provided you, cannot live in the protection and provision that God has promised and given to his children. Without being born again, you are living outside of the family. However, the good news is that through a simple prayer spoken in faith, you can become a son or daughter of God and receive the wonderful blessings yes. discussed throughout this whole sermon. See, in Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 13, the Bible says, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Amen. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Yes. So you now can become a child of the ultimate Amen. daddy. And he says that he who comes to him, he went no wise cast out. Amen. And he wants to be a daddy to you. Amen. So I want every head bowed and every eye closed right now. Every head bowed and, and every eye closed. And I want you to be honest with me. No one's looking around. If you're here today and if you're not sure whether you're saved or not, if you're not sure whether all your sins are forgiven or not, and you want to be sure, I promise I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to know if you're here. I want you to slip your hand up and, and let me know. If you're here today and say, Pastor, I'm just not sure if I die right now whether I would go to heaven or not, I want to be sure. Please, just let me know by the uplifted hand. I want everybody to say this prayer with me. I want you to say it right out loud. I think you're going to help lead somebody to the Lord that could be sitting right there beside of you. Everybody say this with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I ask you today to be my daddy. Jesus, I believe that you died and rose again for me. And I ask you to come into my heart and be my Savior. Please forgive me of all my sins and fill me with your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for being my daddy and receiving me as your child. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. If you said that prayer, excuse me, and meant it with all your heart, Jesus Christ has forgiven you of your sin. Hallelujah. God is your daddy. Praise the Lord. He's your loving, heavenly daddy. And he wants to bless you each and every day. So pray to him every day. Read his word. Get to know who your daddy is. Praise God. And I guarantee you, you're going to live the best life you could ever think possible by being a child of the Most High. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet. Praise the Lord. Bill, I'm going to ask you if you'll uh, dismiss us in prayer today. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for the service today. Thank you, Father, for your presence here, for your anointing, 
We just asked his birthday to break that you never want home safe. Yes, Father, thank you for all the dads today. Yes. God just bless them and help them to be a better dad. Yes, Lord. In Jesus' name we ask and pray. Yes, Father. Amen. 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 Amen.